A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 75 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We will be continuing our Dynasty and Prospect Rankings episodes today with the second base position. And with me, as usual, my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. The better question is, how are you doing? Because you, you have sustained an injury but you're here and you're talking baseball. So assume you're doing a little better, but I know you got roughed up a hair. So a how bit. are you doing? Yeah, that's what happens when you slip on ice and fall back and smash your head off pavement. Yeah, I got a uh, minor concussion. Um, neck is really sore, but I'm doing good. There's no uh, no concussion protocols for podcasts that I know <laughs> of. So no one's keeping me from podcasting with you, sir, and talking about baseball with everyone listening today because – we have a really fun episode in store today. Like I said, we're continuing our Dynasty and Rankings episodes here. Second base, which is a very fun position nowadays. Not much better than it used to be. All right, so it's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping here. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at AirCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Fantrax Toolshed. For extra written content from both of us. And, of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax HQ Network, including our other podcasts, SB Streamer, Fantasy Hockey Life, Fantasy Football Addicts, Define Fantasy Football, and Fantasy Football POV. And as you're listening to this on Thursday the 30th, Chris put out his updated Top 500 OBP Dynasty Rankings out yesterday on the 29th on FantraxHQ.com. So go check those out. Big update. And mine will be out on Monday, January 3rd. Uh, one of the first pieces of our 2022 draft kit, which is starting on the first on Saturday. So a lot of fun stuff there. We'll have our uh, kicking that off with our consensus staff SP rankings. So a lot of fun there. Always a good time getting in the draft season here. Seeing a lot more fantasy baseball talk here on 
on Twitter, obviously we all see it, you and I being in the, right. you know, solely in the fantasy baseball Twitter realm, but seeing a lot of the, uh, those dual analysts that do like baseball and football, like slowly, <laughs> like, like the Vlad Sedlers and the, uh, David Mendelssohn's of the right. world, those dual analysts that kind of moving over fully to baseball. Now as football kind of gets wrapped up. So draft season is always a fun time, but dynasty is always even a, even more fun time. And we'll get into that today again with second base. So let's start with on the dynasty side here. We'll talk dynasty before the break and then get into our prospect rankings after the break. We'll start with our, we'll go 10 at a time here and we'll have some free flowing discussion throughout so we'll start with our top 10 dynasty second base rankings. Chris, what you got? All right. I'm going number one at Trey Turner. Number two, Ozzie Albies. Three, Marcus Simeon. Four, Jonathan India. Five, Brandon Lau. Six, Kettle Marte. Seven, Jazz Chisholm. Eight, Javier Baez. Nine, Whit Merrifield. And 10, Max Muncy. We have, I think we had one different, yeah, I got one, one different player in the top 10. Yeah. Muncie's Muncie's currently my 11. Yep. Uh, so my one through 10, Trey Turner, obviously easy choice for one. Ozzy Albies two, another easy choice. So they, those top two are like clear cut. Uh, I have semi in three. I still have wit four, uh, but it's a, it's a massive cluster here. Uh, semi is kind of in a tier by himself. And there's a massive tier here, starting with wits and then Kettle Marte. Javier Baez, Brendan Lowe, Jazz Chisholm, Jonathan India, and Jose Altuve is my 10. I noticed Chris had India at what, four or five? Yeah, number four. Okay, which which makes sense because yours are geared more for OBP, and India is a huge OBP asset. I think he had like a near, was a 380-ish OBP last year, so that definitely makes sense why you have him over a guy like Jazz Chisholm or Javier Baez. Uh, Definitely makes sense here. Uh, So this is a very... Very interesting, uh, interesting top ten. We got some couple of young guys with with India and Jazz that entered the entered the mix this year. Some older guys, so guys that have been there a while. Trey Turner adding second base eligibility. Now, Chris, what are your just your general thoughts about this top ten right now? Well, it's definitely better than it was just due to. I mean, the guys that added second base last year were Turner, Simeon. Uh, it's another one Baez did. I knew there's yeah. another high end. And if, one. if you're playing in, I think Yahoo, Mookie Betts has second base eligible. Yeah. Yeah, we, we didn't include Mookie years. We, we were going with higher thresholds. But yeah, a lot of guys that added uh, multi position eligibility makes the position even better. Oh, yeah. That's, that's definitely nice. But yeah, overall, I think there's good speed throughout the position, like up and down the position. You can find good speed. I think there's a lot of good feels to hit, hence, like, Jonathan India being pretty high because he's good field to hit and OBP skills that bump him up for me. But yeah, I, I think the top 10 at second base is probably the best that it's been in a long time. Oh, absolutely. I think, see, Altuve is my 10 and he's in the 80s right now. Muncie is, so I have a left, Muncie's my 11. He's also clinging on to top 100 for now. We'll see how the injury <laughs> plays out. But yeah, so 11 guys at this position in my top 100. I'd have to go back and look, but I don't recall ever having that many it's, i feel like it was like usually half of this you'd have like five or six you'd have a couple of the really sexy options you know like ozzy's been there for the last several years but for the most part it was not a position with a lot of top end talent but that has definitely changed uh, let's talk a little bit about the, those two new entries here the two young guys i mean with jazz chisholm and jonathan india and i know you have india higher here but um 
who would you take even could you make a case like in an average league that uses average that OBP could you make a case to take Chisholm over India or would you still go India there as well I'd still go India because I think he's safer but I I think it's easy to say that Jazz has way more upside so if you're going that way if you want to shoot for the upside play like Jazz has the upside to be a you know easily high on this list like I could easily see him as high as uh, maybe third because the the yeah. power speed element's definitely there. My concern is still the contact rates, the strikeout rates. He swings a lot out of the zone. And we saw that a lot. And there was a lot of volatility in the minor leagues. But I do think that the capability is there for Jazz to continue a step forward. Again, he was only 23 last year. He'll be in his age 24 season next year. So there's a ton of potential. I mean, he seems like a pretty much lock to be like a 2020 type guy. Steamer has him at, at 22 homers, 22 stolen bases, but just a 241 average. That's the slight concern for me is the batting average is low. I feel like India's batting average is going to be a little bit safer, just makes more contact, has a little better ballpark context as well. And the strikeouts, I mean, Jazz struck out nearly 29% of the time last year. So those factors do have me nervous, but from a pure upside standpoint, it's easily Jazz. But uh, just with with everything that India brings to the table, he's a little bit of a safer option. One hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, I think it comes down to what your philosophy is, what your style is. If you like going a little more risk adverse, you like going a little more of the upside, the sexy picks. So yeah, in OBP, I, I only have Jazz one spot ahead of India, and right now in my average ranking. So if I if I were to do OBP, yeah, I would definitely have India a few spots higher, and yeah, definitely. Uh, Agree, India is much safer. And I, I saw him when I was on, on my little uh, mini vacay last August, visiting friends and family in the Philadelphia, New Jersey area. Went to a Phillies game against the Reds. India let off the game with a tank off Nola to left field. Added in, I think, another double. I think he, I think he finished a triple side this cycle. Maybe he had two of the singles. I know he had three hits and uh, three hits and four bats. I think he might have walked as well. So it definitely, I 100% believe in India being legit. Like I wrote an article. Uh, featured India late later on in the season, or maybe it was early in the offseason, I forget, something back in the fall. And, yeah, I, I'm definitely buying what we saw out of Jonathan India. And he's probably one that's going to get a little overlooked at time uh, just because he doesn't have the huge power, huge speed. But the dude just gets it done, and he, he contributes across the board. Like we, we mentioned the you know, the big uh, OBP, which I think he could be an annual like 375-plus OBP type. It was 376 last year, but still in 150 games, 21 home runs, 12 steals, uh, 269 average. I think you know all of that's legit. He pushed 100 runs. He had 98 runs in those 150 games. So, uh, guys, going to be up near the top of the order, flirting with 100 runs every year. I think 20 home runs, 10 steals is very legit for him. And yeah, 270 average, 375 plus OBP. So, what he saw out of India is, I think, very realistic going forward. Maybe even a little bit better and and batting average, but. Uh, still, that's that's definitely a one, top 100 player overall, top maybe top 50 for uh, for Dynasty here. And Jazz, yeah, like I can see 20, I can see 25, 25. Honestly, out of Jazz Chisholm, like he has the power, speed there, but the approach has never been great. Even back to his days out in the Arizona organization, I don't think he's ever more than a 240, 250, maybe 260 at peak hitter. Um, maybe he can turn into like a Javier Baez type of player. Who knows? I, I don't think that's all the room possibility. But yeah, definitely a wider range of outcomes there. Uh, then we got a lot of a lot of the old guys here. 
they're still kind of clinging on to top 10 value guys like Whit, um, Whit Merrifield, uh, Jose Altuve. Where do you have Altuve? So you, that was one you didn't have in your top Yeah, 10. I've got him in 11, so I figured that was your number 10, which yeah. honestly, I should probably move. It's funny, I just published these rankings. I already want to change them. But <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's fair to say that Altuve should be above Muncie. I mean, Both. it's it's hard to say because like with Muncie, it's just so we just so many un, I mean uh, so many unknowns right now yeah. with Muncie with that elbow. So yeah. I mean, they're the I same age. Way. Yeah, yeah. The, and honestly, like for OBP, Muncie does have like huge OBP numbers. Altuve posts good OBPs, but yeah, I think from I think it's fair. Like I'm actually going to make that adjustment right now because same age, like Altuve. I and people may question how his body ages, but I actually feel like he's going to be better long-term. So I'm going to bump him just ahead of Muncie, which puts him at hundred overall. <laughs> there you go. I just wish that Altuve just ran a little bit still. Like, yeah. All that speed he had. And yeah, he's kind of transitioned his profile to what it is now, where he's still a solid average and, you know, the big, pa- bigger power now, but uh, I just wish he ran a little bit more. So add 10 to 15 steals, but I don't know. Do you think we ever see that from, from him again, or do you think this is what we're getting with him now? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just fear that this is what it is. Hey, I mean, he's still a great player. He's consistent. Yeah. He's going to have a ton of counting stats because it's a great lineup that he's in. So, I mean, I don't know. Five still seems pretty reasonable. That average is going to be good. I, I I like Altuve a lot. Yeah, and he's still going to be in, in the heart of a very good lineup. He's got to have – how long – how much longer – is Altuve there? It's at least another handful of years. Let's see. Through 24. Through 24. Okay. So, yeah, he's going to have two studs hitting right around him with Joran Alvarez and Kyle Tucker, plus all the other good bats in that lineup. So, yeah, that is still going to be a very good lineup. You know, obviously for Altuve's profile, that short, the Crawford boxes out there are great for him. He can just pull home runs in there all day. And yeah, 278. That's the lowest he's hit. Uh, if, we're, if we're taking out his. 2020 sample when he hit 219, which I'm taking out that season for most veterans. Uh, he had one, two, three, four, five, five straight seasons from 2014 to 2018 where he hit 313 or better and then 298 in 2019. So uh, I think he can get back up near 300 with 30 home runs. He had 31 home runs in 2019 as well. So yeah, just wish he uh, had a little more speed, but you know, five steals is still something. But uh, yeah, definitely still think there's another. At least another few good years. Like he's 31 now. He'll be 32 on early in the season, May 6th. Though I still think there's another few good years. Once he gets up to like mid 30s, then I think we'll see that decline come with him. It's just hard. He's with 5'6", 165. So I do think the decline will come, but not for the next few years here. Uh, we've, we've talked about Brendan Lowe a good amount. Uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts? Here's someone we haven't talked about too, too much. Kettle Marte, where, where are you at on Kettle Marte? Because he's always been one that's really hard for me to rank. Like when he's on the field, the numbers are usually pretty good, but he's not the one that has like a kind of interesting profile. It's like one year he does one thing really well, and then the next year he does the other. It's, it, he hasn't put together like, you know, the speed came a couple of years that went away. The high average has usually been there. Power's kind of come and gone. Uh, where are you at on Kettle Marte? I like him, but I think the health's a big factor. It just hasn't really stayed healthy. I am I think you can kind of throw the 2020 season out the window. I do think the power is every bit legit. And on a per-plate appearance basis, he's he's really good. The contact skills are really good. But 
at the end of the day, just can't stay healthy, which is a big factor of fantasy. And unfortunately, when you can't play a full season, it's hard to really project you out like that. I think he could, he's another one that I think could easily be like really high up the position. Like, and I've got him six, but I think he could easily take the third spot. Like if he wanted to, yeah. I, he's not going to jump Trey or Ozzy, but it's right. certainly possible with the talent level because I think the the power is legit and the hit tool is very good. The contact skills are, are very great, but I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he was yeah, he hit 307 XBA last year, backed up his 318 average, he had the best hard hit rate and average exit velo of his career. He's always been in the top like 10% of the league in max exit velo. And even in the last uh, last four years, he's been in the top 4% in terms of max exit velo each last, I said, four years. Pretty good barrel rate as well. Uh, X Wobicon's pretty good at 418. X Wobo's 372. Good, appro- good approach as well. He's a guy that's, you know, pretty hard to strike out 16% K rate last year, 8.3% walk rate. So if we can stay on the field, I think we could see a, you know, 300 plus 25 plus season, maybe adds in a handful of steals. Like he could be Jose Altuve with a higher average. That That's pretty much, I think what we're looking at yeah. here with Kettle Marte. I think the similar profile power speed wise at this point, but with potential for more, but he just has to stay on the field. And the same thing with Altuve, like he's had some injury issues uh, of late as well. So, very interesting top 10 here. And then obviously Trey Turner getting added in like Trey Turner. That's just awesome. Like the fact that you get a top five, where do you, where do you have Turner in your overall, Chris? Is he top five for you overall? Yeah, I'm fairly certain. Uh, yeah. Actually he's not. He's he, I have him at seven. That top okay, five is just so good. Yeah. He's a, that's a massive cluster too. You, you can yeah. really re- rearrange that area any which way, but yeah, so we, we got a top, at least a top 10 guy, maybe top five with Trey Turner. Albies is, is top 20 for me. Very underrated. So it came up a 30, 20 year. And I was kind of thinking too, like he's, he feels like second base version of like Francisco Lindor a few years ago, where it's like, you look at the metrics that are not like popping at you, but just the numbers are there year in and year out. So uh, let me some Ozzy Albies, but uh, let's move on to the next 10 in our rankings here for me. So this is 11 through 20. I got Max Muncy, Jake Cronenworth, Jorge Polanco, Gavin Lux. I feel like Gavin Lux has been a guy we've talked about a ton on this podcast since the beginning. Uh, Vidal Brujan, Nick Gonzalez, Gleyber Torres, Tommy Edmond, DJ LeMahieu, and Luis Urias. Who you got, Chris, 11 through 20? All right, let's go. Number 11, Jose Altuve. That's now my number 10. <laughs> a couple times this happened since we started doing the positional pods. But anyway, Jake Cronenworth is next, followed by... Uh, Jorge Polanco, Tommy Edmond, Brennan Rogers, 16 through 20 is Glaber Torres, Gavin Lux, Chris Taylor, DJ LeMahieu, and Ryan McMahon. Very intriguing bunch here. I get kind of similar to the top 10 where we got a good mix of young guys. We get some of our prospects mixed in here with Bruham, with Nick Gonzalez, some you know older guys here. With, I don't know, I guess Tommy Edmond's not old, but maybe older than the rest of these guys here. Polanco, the steady veteran, Cornerworth burst onto the scene last year. Kind of a similar mold to he's like 85 to 90% of Jonathan India, I think. Kind of similar profiles, but scaled back a bit. Glaber Torres is the really intriguing one here because he finished the season on a high note last year, but I feel like that's just enough to get everybody to buy back in on him just to have more disappointment. Because even with that end of the season stretch, he still finished. 259, 331, 366, nine home runs, 14 steals, and 516 plate appearances. 
second year of like tw- even 2020. Yeah, it was only 42 games, but the slash line was pretty similar there: 243, 356, 368. You know, his rookie year 2018 was good. His 2019 obviously was phenomenal: 278, 337, 535, 38 home runs with like half of those coming against Baltimore. What? With with Gleyber Torres, Chris, do you think there's a chance? I mean, he's still only see he just turned 25 like two weeks ago. So, do you think there's still a chance that we could see Gleyber bounce back? Maybe not to 2019 levels, but maybe to a guy that could maybe push you know a back end starter at this position for your dynasty team. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's I think it'd be foolish to think he's going to steal 14 bases again. That's going to be a huge outlier. Yeah, that kind but, of came out of nowhere. Like, yeah. And, and Steamer projects him for 14, which is really stupid. Like Steamer's normally pretty conservative, but there, there's zero chance that, that that happens in my opinion. But I do think the power comes back to an extent. I think he's a serviceable player, but you have to factor in that. Think about how many home runs he hit against Baltimore. I don't have the exact number, but I'm pretty sure it was near 50% of his home runs were hit. I feel it, like it was like 18, that number sticking yeah. out. I had to pull it up. But I think it was like 18 of 38, so yeah, barely half. Yeah, yeah. And, and those stadiums, I mean, he feasted in Camden as well. Yankee Stadium can be pretty pretty hit, hitter-friendly as well. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he's – I think maybe he tops out at like 25 home runs, like at a peak season moving forward. But I don't really see him hitting 30 again. And the average, who knows? Like it's he's kind of turned it downward, but maybe he's a two sixty type hitter that can hit twenty five home runs, which is, is playable. Yeah, I I agree on the average. I think he's definitely got, he's you know career two sixty eight was two fifty nine last year. XBAs have been in that in that ballpark anywhere from uh, his three full seasons have been two fifty four, two fifty five, two sixty four. I don't I don't even think I'm going to disagree on on the power. I don't see twenty five. I could see him flirting with twenty. Getting up in the 18, 19 range again with a decent average and maybe adding in, I don't know, five to eight steals. I, I don't see 14 again. 50th percentile sprint speed. I just don't see it. Like, he's not that. He's, it's like definitely middle of the road speed wise. So I can still see him getting five to 10, but, you know, so it's 260, you know, 15 to 20 home runs, five to 10 steals. That'll play. I don't think I'd ever want that as my starting uh, shortstop or second base option here, but. I think you know, maybe a decent middle infielder for your dynasty team, but yeah, I, I don't see a huge bounce back here. It's like the, the power, I think, is where it's at. Like the hard hit rates have been very stagnant in like the mid 30s. Average exit velo was actually the lowest of his career last year, 87.1. Max exit velos, he's never gotten over 111.6. Uh, he's had the launch angle has helped. The ballparks that he plays in three quarters of the time have helped, but uh, I don't see much more than that. So. I, I guess I'll go a little bit lower on the power here, but uh, we, we get some other intriguing names here. You know, we get a few prospects. We'll get into them later, though. Um, but Jake Cronenworth is very intriguing with me. Like I said, he's pretty much a Jonathan India light. Tommy Edmond, you got the speed element there uh, on a very good St. Louis team, and he'll, and he'll have you know a long leash on that team as well. But DJ LeMayhew here had a terrible year after – couple pretty good years in 2019 and 2020 are you buying a LeMahieu bounce back or or is he one you're kind of avoiding at this point in dynasty because he's not he's not he's 26 27 anymore DJ LeMahieu is getting close to to his mid-30s now so are are you kind of out on LeMahieu in dynasty yeah because I think his 
his huge seasons were very fluky. Like the power was, was not there. Like he didn't hit for power in cores and then he totally popped off. And in 2019, when he hit 26 home runs, literally all of them went opposite field and barely over that short porch in Yankee stadium. So it's, that's not going to happen again. Yeah. I think he rebounds and hits for average because he did play through a sports hernia injury which we we found out at the end of October that he was playing he had played through that and had surgery. So there's another question mark like he is expected to be ready for spring training, but we don't know for sure. That that's kind of a, a question mark there in itself. So I'm pretty much out on him. I think at at this age like his skill set is is yeah, he'll continue to hit for average, but I don't think there's going to be much else there. So he's going to continue to move down my list. He's not going to move up. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely agree. It, it's such a weird profile. Like LeMahieu is one that's always baffled me. You look at him, he's 6'4, 220. Like, all right, there's a power hitter right there. And he's only already had a couple of seasons where he's flashed that. But the profile underneath the hood, it's like, all right, the hard hit rates have always been pretty solid. You know, he's never been, you know, super high, but, you know, 43 to 47% in that range, always over 40% every year of his career here in the Stack S era. The average exit VLOs have been pretty damn good as well, over 90.6 each of the last four years, and only been under 90 miles an hour once since 2015. But the barrel rates have always been below average, with the exception of one year where it was right around league average. The last two years, the barrel rate was 2.9%, 3.7%. Max exit VLOs have never been anything special either. Uh, topped out at 111.9 back in 2016. X slugs have been pretty bad outside of one year. So it's really weird. And the, the launch angles have been great. Yeah, he doesn't hit enough balls in the air hard. So yeah, he definitely hit, got helped by that short porch. So, but I thought returning to the Yankees, he could still have maybe not the same season he did then, but uh, I definitely didn't see this coming, but yeah, I'm, I'm out now in dynasty leagues as well. Let's move on to our next set here. Chris, who do you got 21 through 30? All right. Here we go at 21 with Ty France, who we discussed, and I said was my breakout at the first base position. Luis Urias, Nick York, Vidal Brujan, Jose Miranda, Nick Matrigal at 26, Colton Wong, Michael Bush, Eduardo Escobar, and Enrique Kike Hernandez at 30. Love me some Kike Hernandez. That's my dude. Like, <laughs> I didn't think I was, a, as a Red Sox fan, I didn't think I was going to like Kike as much as I did, but that dude is like, Brock Holt with more skills. Like he can play, he can play second. You can put him short. You can put him in all three outfield spots. He has that same like energy and leadership and clubhouse presence. And he just is better on the field. And uh, I, I love Kike. So I'm, I'm glad the Red Sox. I mean, I think his profile fits Fenway pretty well. And so I definitely love Kike as well. He's n- unfortunately not in my top 30 here. Uh, he's 33rd, but my 21 through 30, Brendan Rogers, Ryan McMahon, Nick York, Nolan Gorman, Ty France, Jose Miranda, Chris Taylor, Eduardo Escobar, Nick Madrigal, and Colton Wong. You had Nick Madrigal in here as well, right? I did at 26. Where do you? I, I feel like there's a wide kind of range of thoughts and and analysis on Nick Madrigal. Where are you at, Chris, on Madrigal? Because we, we know, like, obviously the contact skills and the approach are there. Like he's already, like, won the top contact and you know, strikeout rate guys in the major leagues in his rookie year. But do you think this is just another Luis Arez, or do you think there's any type of like power speed upside here to be had? Um, I don't see him being a 
major fantasy asset, unfortunately. It's an intriguing skill set, like you mentioned, but I don't really see him reaching that. Uh, I could be wrong. Can you see 20 steals at a magical? Yeah, I mean, he has the speed to do it, but the question is, how much is he going to run? And we haven't seen him even attempt many stolen bases in the majors. So, I mean, in, in about... Let's see, he's got 300 and... 324 plate appearances. He only had six stolen base attempts, and he's three for three at that. Yeah, so. he was caught on three of those. Yeah, yeah so yeah, his home contact last year was 98.6 percent. I know it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, remember, I remember what I forget what article it was, but there was one where I was just looking up like all his contact rates and putting them on like this little mini spreadsheet to put yeah. a table to put in my article, and I was just like. Yeah. Man, this this guy is so freaking good. Like swinging strike rate is phenomenally low. Uh, yeah, he's already like David Fletcher levels of contact. But yeah, I I think there's obviously a bit more upside than Arias' show. Like I think there's a path to like I don't know, like five to ten home runs and maybe ten to fifteen steals with the higher you know a good he's three seventeen average through his first three hundred twenty four play appearances. So. That'll play like that's like a good back end option guy you can fill out your middle infield depth with. But yeah, I don't see any you know big time changes to this profile. Like I think he is what he is. I think this will be a little more speed than he's shown. But um, at the same time, like you mentioned, he hasn't really shown a willingness to. Rim- I don't know if that's him. I don't know if that's the White Sox. What they were doing with him before he went over to the Cubs. Uh, who knows? But yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I I don't see a lot more here in the profile, but. He's at least one like if you need some average late in your your dynasty drafts or whatever, he's he's a good one to have, and maybe he gets you a little you know maybe he flirts twenty steals and that's a little added bonus there. Um, there's a lot of prospects here, so we'll kind of skip over those guys. Um, Brendan Rogers, you know, he's one that I almost was. We're, we're going to do an MLB breakout and a prospect breakout, and I almost picked Brendan Rogers for my breakout until I looked at his under the hood metrics a little more and realize that they're not that good. Like, he doesn't walk a ton. The hard hit rates aren't great. Are you a Rodgers guy, Chris? I go back and forth on Rodgers. Obviously, he's a Colorado Rocky prospect, so we all know my, you know, infatuation with them, for better or for worse. But you look at a lot of the metrics here. Like I said, 4.6% walk rate. Yeah, he's trimmed the K rate, which has been great, but not a lot of other metrics here to get me excited i guess the hard hit rate was 40.3 percent. that's decent enough but i don't know do you do you see this this next level for rogers or do you think he's more of like a a depth middle infield type guy yeah i mean i think that's he's kind of who we saw last year i think i, I do think the average is going to really play up because of course and that's what it does yeah. it, it boosts batting average so i fully expect him to be a, a 280 290 type hitter i think that 20 to 25 home runs is pretty plausible, but he's not going to run. I mean, I don't I don't think anyone should expect him to even attempt to steal a base. He hasn't even attempted a stolen base since 2018, so he, he's not going to steal. So that's out the window. So he's basically a decent, a good average hitter with decent power. And, you know, maybe that's a, a solid middle infielder, but I don't I don't know if I really want him starting on, on a in like a 12-team league. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think there are still some uh... – some Rogers believers out there that think he can be more than he is, but I just don't see it. I, I do agree that I think he could get up to that level. So maybe he's another Ryan McMahon type. This is kind of where Ryan McMahon was uh, for earlier part of his career until his average kind of tailed off lately. But yeah, solid average, good pop, 
you know, just not much health. So um, I think Rodgers is going a bit too high for my liking, but still a decent player here. Uh, but let's, let's keep going here, Chris, because we have a lot of prospects in this section. We'll skip right over them. Uh, rounding things out in our dynasty rankings here, 31 through 40. All right. So this is where it gets kind of, yeah, I don't know. We got Abe Toro at 31, McNeil 32, Josh Rojas 33, Curtis Mead 34, Andres Jimenez 35, and then rounding out 36 through 40 is Nick Solak, David Fletcher, Jonathan Scope, Adam Frazier, and Garrett Hampson, your boy. Yeah, boy. Uh, but then, uh, like I said, Garrett Hampson and I are currently seeing other people. Uh, we saw we saw each other's contact info. We keep in touch. Hey, how you doing? Uh, Want to get coffee sometime? But uh, no, yeah, I, Hampson, I'm I'm kind of done with him. Eh, I still like him though. I'm so always ever for Garrett Hampson because he's my boy. But 31 through 40 for me: Jonathan Scope, Michael Bush, Kike Hernandez, Kavan Biggio, Gene Segura, Abraham Toro, Jeff McNeil. Glad the fall Jeff McNeil had. Uh, Garrett Hampson at 38, Adam Frazier at 39, and Jeter Downs at 40. Uh, let's just do our breakout here before the break. Chris, who's that guy for you? All right. I know this may be a not popular breakout. He was a big prospect, but it's Gavin Lux. And I, I, I'm going to be a, a, this is the year. I was, I said it was going to be last <laughs> year. And we said he needed consistent playing time. He, he kind of got it, but they kind of jerked him all over the field, and he played some center field, and that was horrific, like not not a center fielder at all. But he should get a shot back at second base now because, I mean, we uh, Corey Seager's out, Trey Turner's back at shortstop. I don't imagine Mookie Betts is going to be second baseman, so I don't really see anybody else they're going to bring in. They'll say just go crazy and like, hey, Trevor Story's going to be our second baseman, which would be interesting. Right. But – um, I, I think that Gavin Lux gets the chance to be the regular. We know that he can hit very good field to hit. I do think the power's there. He's exhibited some. He's going to give you a little speed as well. So Gavin Lux is my breakout at the second base position for the major league level. I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to change my, I was going to go Luis Arias just because there was really nobody else that fits, but I'm going to change it up. And this guy is still a prospect technically, but did play at the MLB level, so that's how I'm cheating a little bit. I'll go Vidal Brujan. I have a hunch that he gets dealt. I just got a feeling that he gets dealt You know, after the lockout concludes, probably for some pitching, no idea to who, maybe Cleveland, who knows, but I could see him getting an everyday role either that route or he's probably the next one up, and he could play second base and outfield, so that helps if the Rays have an injury and one of those two, like if Brendan Lowe, uh, Brendan Lowe goes down or, you know, a Rose Reyna or Kevin Kiermaier. So I think Bruhan will get a shot here. And though he had a very up-and-down year, especially in the power department, even when he was struggling, he still was getting on base at a high clip. The approach was still very good. The speed is just an absolute asset. Like, we don't see many 30-steel guys anymore. And I'm not saying he's going to be a 30-steel guy this year, but he definitely has that speed and the willingness to run to be a 30 steel guy annually, you know, once he does kind of settle in at the, at the major league level. So I just have hunches. He somehow, whether it's trade injury gets a spot, you know, gives you a, a decent average, decent OBP, a little, little bit of pop and uh, gives you that nice speed asset. So yeah, definitely a guy that could be a, a big like waiver wire target mid season when, when that does happen, if it happens, who knows it couldn't, maybe it doesn't happen. He's in triple A most of the year, bouncing back and forth. Who knows? It's the raise. So, um, but definitely like Vito Brujan here to break out this year. 
Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side and get into our prospect rankings, so don't go anywhere. fans it's time to step into a championship the 2023 miak men's and women's basketball tournament tips off march 8th through the 11th at the scope arena in norfolk virginia join all the me action with competitive basketball games fun theme nights and fan fests official after parties and comedy shows tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to meachoops.com for more info the 2023 miak basketball tournament who will be crowned champion all right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into these prospect rankings now because this is a very intriguing position for prospect talent as well. Chris, why don't you kick us off here? Top 10 Dynasty second base prospects. Right. Yep, we got two Nicks at the top, Nick Gonzalez and Nick York, followed by another player that starts with an N, Nolan Gorman, then Brian Rocio, Jose Miranda rounding out at five. And I got Vidal Brujan, Michael Bush, Eddie's Leonard, Justin Foscue and Jeter Downs rounding out the top 10. For me, a little bit different here at the top. Obviously, I have Nick Gonzalez as one for me as well. Two through five are separated by six total spots on my overall at 29 to 35. So you really could rank these four any which way. I would have no issues with it. Vidal Brujan at two. Jose Miranda, three. Brian Rocio, four. Nick York at five. Kind of funny how I'm the Red Sox guy, but you have Nick York higher than I do. But again, <laughs> massive cluster here. This could very easily change soon. Uh, six through ten for me, Nolan Gorman, Michael Bush, Jeter Downs, Eddie's Leonard, and Justin Foscue, who is kind of, I feel, you know, seeing the the prospect mock that we had, I forget exactly where he went, but it was a good, like, 50-plus spots lower than where I have him ranked, which is, like, in the 120 to 130 range. He had a pretty solid season, so... He's one that I feel is like really undervalued right now. Where, where do you have Foscue in your rankings, Chris? In my overall, um, for prospects, I have Foscue at 99. I guess you have him even higher than I do. I wonder, that's kind of interesting. Why, why do you think he fell? I think he fell to like the 170, 175 range in our... Yeah, a, he, he, had, he had an injury this past year, but still had yeah. some good power numbers. And I was looking at the, the monthly splits there, and they were, I think it was... It was like June or July, he had like 12 home runs. So it was kind of inflated by that. But yeah, you know, I, I think it was good power, solid hit, solid enough hit tool there. I don't know. Why do you think the, the rest of the industry might be a little lower than we are? I have no idea. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> That's a good huh? question. Yeah. Uh, I really, I wish I had a better answer for that, but I think he's legit. And, you know, yeah. I think there's, I mean, I, I think we're going to, we still see, could see better from him. Like, I think he could definitely show more than he's already shown us. And, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him take an even bigger step forward. Yeah, agreed there. And for me, my top six is all inside my top 50 here. I know we have them in different order, but uh, it's a really, again, kind of similar thought I had to uh, how I have 11 dynasty second baseman in my top 100. I don't remember the last time I had six second base prospects in my top 50. And yeah, maybe Rocio plays short. Who knows? Miranda could play third. Bruhan could play outfield. A couple of these guys could move off. But very enticing top of the tier here. You know, G- Gorman's a little higher for you. You had him, what, Gorman third or fourth? Yes, at third. Yeah. Okay. W- what put Gorman third for you? 
Um, well, he's he's right there. I mean, Rocio's one spot behind him in the overall, so it's not it's not a huge gap. But I don't know. I, it seems like there's a huge mixed bag on Nolan Gorman, which I do think that he's going to get a shot to play soon. Which proximity matters. Like, wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, with the team next year. I think he's more than ready. We saw him in in AAA last year. You know, most of the season in AAA actually. And the numbers were good. I mean, I, I still think the, the power's probably not near peak. And everything looks good under the hood. So um, he cut his strikeout rate in AAA, which I thought was huge. I mean, we've seen that trend down you know, throughout his minor league career, which is a fantastic thing to see with a prospect like this. And the contact rate's gone up. The power's there. He even chips in a couple steals. So I think Gorman is going to be an intriguing player. And just I think the proximity boosts him over Rocio for me. Yeah, that, that's fair. Though Rocio, he's not, I don't think he's too far behind in terms of ETA. But yeah, this is a massive cluster, as I mentioned. Uh, for, yeah, for me, it's, it's funny because you mentioned kind of the wide range of kind of rankings uh, and opinions on Nolan Gorman. And my my kind of opinion on him has swayed a lot over the last couple of years. I remember when I was writing up my top 100 prospects for the Fantasy Baseball Black Book, which you should go get. It's out on Amazon now. Uh, great book there. A lot of great writers. Paul Spohr, Casey Bubba, a lot of good people. Chris Welsh, several others. Uh, great book. Go get that. But when I was doing that for, I think, 20... When, when did Gorman get drafted? It was 2018, I believe it was. Yeah, so, yeah 2018. I think, was, I think my, like, probably one of my 2019 versions of my rankings where I had him 12th, I remember. And that was a bit high. I In retrospect, that was a bit high. I remember, I realized that, but... I was went from being one of the highest around on Gorman to I won't say I'm the lowest around, but definitely not quite as enamored with him now as I used to be. Yeah, there's a, a solid hit tool there, good power, but I've kind of tempered my expectations power wise. Like I literally thought this was going to be a 35 plus homer middle of the order smasher, but now I'm kind of feeling like all right, he's probably more you know 25 to 28. I I don't know. I kind of similar thoughts. Like you kind of were a little kind of reserved on Torque's power, at least compared to others. I'm kind of in that that similar boat with Nolan Gorman. I just don't see him being a 30 plus homer guy. And he, he did have 25 this past year and, and 520 plate appearances. So I think he can maybe flirt with 30, but you know, 260, 270 type guy, 25 home runs, a little bit of speed. That's pretty good. But I think it's like some of the profiles. A bit more here. Like I like Nick York more personally. I like Jose Miranda more. I think Bruhan's speed will be more of an asset than Gorman's power. So yeah, you know, it, it's all personal opinion. Like I said, these are all guys are very close. Like, Gorman's still like I think forty second overall in my in my overall ranking. So I definitely still like him. And then there's a good forty plus rank drop down to Michael Bush there, uh, who is another guy that's blah. What do you think happens with Bush, Chris? Like we, we were just now maybe seeing Gavin Lux get, get like a shot, right? Maybe. Like, I don't even know. Like wait to see how the rest of the offseason goes. Who knows? They could bring in another big, they could bring in Trevor story and I wouldn't be surprised yeah. by it or even Carlos Correa. It's the Dodgers. They have unlimited money. So nothing would surprise me with what they do, but let's assume that they don't bring in anybody, at least any other big names. They already brought back Chris Taylor, which you, you put him back in that middle infield mix with Gavin Lux with Trey Turner. And I know that Lux can move around a little bit. Uh, Taylor can play some outfield, but where do you do you see Bush as being like a 
in their plans long term. Maybe they even have to move him off to maybe the third, but they have a lot of guys at third as well. Yeah. I don't know. How, how do you how do you see Bush fitting in long term here? I don't I don't know. Maybe they trade him. Seems like a good trade chip for him if they're you know yeah. looking for a, an arm or something. It's hard to say for sure, but I, I do think he's a talented enough player to get in the lineup. And especially I'm a little higher because he's an OBP beast. Like he walks at a ridiculously high clip. And I, I don't know. He doesn't really have – he's not great in the fields, the problem. So he doesn't right. really have like a true fielding home. So Maybe, maybe he's a DH long-term yeah, if they get maybe. that in the, in the CBA. Who knows? Maybe. That could be beneficial for a player like him, honestly. You know, not worrying about the field. I, I don't know. That might That might really help him out. Yeah, definitely agree there. I like Michael Bush. Like the profile doesn't stand out. I was I also have like the walk rate in OBP. Like he doesn't have huge power, but I think he could be like a three seventy five OBP guy with twenty to twenty five home runs and a solid enough average, and maybe a guy who knows with the Dodgers. So I, I could say yeah, Michael Bush is a, is a, like a number two hitter type, which he definitely is in, in my opinion. But they they have plenty of other types that they could put up the top of the order. So. Yeah, next uh, year or so, we'll be interested to see what they do with Bush because he's getting near ready. So they're going to have right. to make a decision on Michael Bush pretty soon here and we'll see how the CBA works out. If they do bring the DH to the National that would definitely help. Uh, last little bit here in their top 10. We both still have Jeter Downs in our top 10. I think you had him seventh in yours. Um, I have him at 10. Oh, you have him at 10. I have him at eight. You have him at 10. So we're still, I think, fairly in on Downs. I think to the point where. Is he still in your top 100 overall? He is, is he just out of it. I think he's just out of it. Yeah, he's, he's at 113. Okay, so still right around a borderline top 100 prospect. Now, we, we saw Downs out in the Arizona Fall League. We, we talked about him enough. We don't have to get to him again. But would you, if you didn't have Downs, would you be looking to acquire Downs right now? Or are you, you kind of like waiting to see how he does this year? Um, I mean, if you want to get him on the cheap, I think now's the time to do it. But I'm kind of reserved just from a little bit of what we saw in the fall league. I wasn't really impressed. I thought he had a lot of swing and miss, a lot of chase, which uh, it's hard to say for sure, but I, I don't know. I'd love to see him get shot because I used to love him. And I, uh, yeah, me too. It, I shouldn't change my opinion so much on him that quick, but it's it's tough. It, it, it's tough with what we saw. I mean, yeah, he, like, can't, he can't hit a breaker. Yeah, as a, if he was throwing nothing but fastballs, he'd be like a top 10 fantasy second baseman. <laughs> right. <laughs> he'd be that 2020 guy that we all thought he could be. But yeah, he just he struggles against everything that's not a fastball. He, he crushed that Bobby Miller fastball out in the AFL to right center field for a home run. But everything else yeah. besides that, like uh, when Landon Knack came in after Bobby Miller, Knack was just feeding him sliders and changeups. And there were some ugly, ugly swings from Jeter down. So. Yeah, I'm a bit reserved. I'm kind of in wait and see mode here, but I do agree that if the price is low enough, I would go out and try to get Jeter Downs. But um, let's move on here to 11 through, so we're doing 30 totals. 11 through 20. For me, that's Richie Palacios, Jonathan Aranda, Xavier Edwards, Ezekiel Duran, Jose Tena, Felix Valerio, Jobit Vivas. I love saying that name, Jobit Vivas. <laughs> Uh, Connor Norby, Carlos Jorge, and Aaron Bracho at 20. Who you got 11 through 20, Chris? All right. 11, Jose Tena. 12 is teammate Richie Palacios. 13, Jonathan Aranda. 14, Jorbit Vivas. 15, Xavier Edwards. And then 16 through 20 is Connor Norby, Ezekiel Duran, Jiwan Bay, Felix Valerio, and Carlos Jorge. A lot, lot of intriguing names here. Like, sure. there was a lot of. 
guys that kind of broke out this past year. Let's talk about the the Cleveland guys a little bit here. Jose Tena and Richie Palacios, two guys that really shot up rankings, guys, guys that we saw out in Arizona. You have Tena a bit higher than Palacios, if I recall, correct? They're they're neck and neck. Who if you, I got? I'm gonna put you on the spot now. Who, uh, they're both pretty young. So let's go. Let's go a full five years out. Who is the higher drafted player for fantasy between these two? Jose Tana or Richie Palacios? Um, probably Tana because I think Palacios is more of like a floor type player. I don't, I'm not sure Palacios gets the type of power that Tana does, and plus Tana steals bases, which is good. I would give Palacios the edge hit wise, but I just think. From a fantasy standpoint, Tana brings a little more to the table. That's fair. I wonder how that Cleveland middle infield works out. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, we talk about these guys, and then ahead of these guys, in terms of proximity, you got Tyler Freeman, you got Brian Rocio. Well, he's pretty close proximity-wise, but uh, yeah, Rocio, Tyler Freeman, uh, Gabriel Arias is pretty close to contributing, and well, I'm missing one, aren't I? Or is that there's it? so many. I know there's so many. It's like, and you only can play two, and yeah, you can maybe move. I don't. I don't know if any of these guys profile well at third. Like none of them are like bigger guys. I don't know if, if they really profile well there. Maybe you move some of the outfield, but Cleveland could, and you know, this could work itself out. All these guys might not pan out. That's how that's how prospects go. But yeah, a lot of intriguing middle infielders in that in this Cleveland org. Yeah, I do have Palacios a little bit higher. So I think there, I do agree there's a higher floor there, but I think there's a pretty, not a great ceiling, but I think there's a path to him being like a 10 homer, 18 to 20 steal guy with a good average, good OBP. Maybe a guy that settles in as like a number two hitter. I think Tana does have the higher ceiling. I definitely will go there with you. Um, but I, I do have Palacio strength a little bit higher here. So he's 11th right behind Justin Foscue, and he's right around 130 overall for me. But Tana's not too far lo- below that at 150. Who's another guy here that you really like out of this? Like, are you a Felix Valerio guy? You a Jorbet Vivas guy? Who, who you like here? Who's another guy you really like in this range? Uh, all honestly, a lot of these. I know, right? Names. It's hard to pick. Like, Jonathan yeah. Aranda's a really intriguing name too. Yeah, he really popped off. He's a great contact hitter with developing power. Uh, Vivas, I think, is probably every bit as good as Eddie's Leonard potentially, but Leonard's kind of the bigger name, so wouldn't surprise me to see Vivas in the the Leonard range. Soon, honestly, I don't love Xavier Edwards. Like he'd be the one that I, I don't love as much. It's not sure if he can get away without any power. Right? So, yeah, I mean, he has no power. Like we talked about Madrigal, but Edwards has zero power to speak of. So that'd be interesting. I actually, like G1 Bay, he was pretty impressive in the fall league. I love what he brings he was, to the table. Yeah. Very good field to hit. Great control of the zone. Uh, Carlos Jorge as well. Felix Valeria. I like all those guys. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of good names. Carlos Jorge, yeah, we'll, we'll get into him in a little bit. Uh, so now he's a bit someone we'll talk about near the end of the show. Yeah, this is a very fun range. A lot of names I like. I like, I love Carlos Jorge. I love Corner Norby, Jorbert Vivas, Felix Valerio had a breakout season with the, the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm still a decent, you know, decently high on Ezekiel Duran as well. Hit tool was a huge X factor with him, but like the power speed blend. And yeah, Edwards is one that is really hard to rank for me. Fact that he does have no power, he has that one home run, which I have. I've, I've been trying to find if that was an inside the park home run. <laughs> there's a high chance it probably was, yeah, or exactly. like the wind was blowing out and he just got it at the right, t- you know, part of the bat, put it to the right part of the park. Probably an accident, but 
Yeah, he has the one home run over his entire professional career. Yeah, he's basically he. I think he could be maybe not quite Nick Madrigal contact wise, but this could be easy plus hit tool with Xavier Edwards and a great approach. Walks a ton, doesn't strike out as much, has good speed, could be like a twenty five steal guy. But I don't see him getting that shot in Tampa Bay. So obviously they already have Wander Franco at short. They have uh, Edwards didn't even play short this past year. He moved off short, but played. Second base, played a little bit of third as well. I guess he'd be a weird third baseman. Like, yeah, he, he's like, oh, who is that guy? Shown, remember Shown Figgins? Oh, yeah. Going back <laughs> a bit there with the Angels, like how he was, he had a little bit of power, but like it was just like that weird, like speed first profile at third, which is really weird for that position. So maybe, I don't know, third base isn't blocked for Tampa Bay. Like, I don't think. You know, Yandi Diaz or anyone like that is going to keep anybody away. They're kind of just holding the fort down until somebody better comes along. But yeah, I don't know how Xavier Edwards fits in. Maybe he gets traded to a small market team, maybe a Pittsburgh or Kansas City or someone like that. Oh, maybe he goes to Oakland. Actually, I, I could I could see that be a trade partner right there. Oakland and Tampa Bay. Maybe Oakland gets like, you know, a Chris I mean, uh, gives them a Chris Bassett or someone that gives them a few prospects. Oakland's in a kind of a fire sale mode looking like you're maybe they'll trade off Matt Olson as well. So, but that's all speculation, obviously. But yeah, well, this is a very intriguing part of the rankings. Like this is about 125 to 240 or so in my overall. Uh, let's keep going here. Let's go 21 through 30 in our prospect rankings, and we'll give a breakup before we get out of here. Chris, who is your 21 through 30 here. All right. Aaron Bracho at 21, who was very high on this list this time last year. So that's pretty unfortunate, but it happens. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Lost that one, but I'm not counting him out yet. So he's 21. Michael Escado, 22. Kyle Isbell, 23. Tyler Callahan, Leo Jimenez in the 26 through 30. Samad Taylor, Caden Polkovich, Edward Julian, Otto Lopez, and Cooper Kinney rounding it out. A couple of similar names, but yeah, this is the part where the rankings kind of really differ a good amount. Obviously, we get you know past 250 overall here. This is who you like. You, you see a lot of differing opinions throughout the industry. For me, I have at 21, uh, I have to say, Yurib, Chris, I always mess his name up. Yuribiel. There we yep, go. It's Yuribiel. I, I always want to like make it Yuribiel. And Yuribiel. <laughs> Angeles, Angeles, Samad Taylor, who's again the guy that I just don't see. I, I like the skill set, but again, he's in Toronto, infielder, like no one open spots there. Uh, see, he's at 22. Michael Massey, 23 from the Royals. Tyler Black, 24. Michael Escrado, 25. And 26 through 30. Jihuan Bay, Otto Lopez, Ian Lewis, Trevor Halver, and Ryan Bliss. Chris, who is your breakout this position? Someone outside your top 200 that you think could be top 100 within the next year or so? I'm going with my 20th rank player, and that's Carlos Jorge, who we talked a little bit about before the show. His speed is insane off the charts. I mean, the power, I think, will come around. He's, he's a little smaller frame, but I think that there's potential that he can hit for enough power to, to be a solid contributor there in the hit tool is really good as well. So Carlos Jorge with the Reds, I mean, we've only seen him in the Dominican Summer League. So next year will be his first season, our full stateside season. 
just turned 18 at the very end of the season. He was 17 throughout the whole Dominican Summer League, actually. So super kind of intriguing stat line there. And I think there's a projectable skill set as well. So Carlos Jorge is one that I think may pop when he comes stateside. So it's better to you know jump on board now. You can get him for, for dirt cheap. So I'd be looking to do that if you could. Couldn't agree more. I was debating between him and this guy that I'm going to talk about. But yeah, I definitely love Carlos Jorge. Agree that he's going to be a great pop-up prospect here in 2022. My guy, very different skill set. Uh, I'm going Connor Norby with the second-round pick by the Baltimore Orioles in 2021 draft out of East Carolina University. Pretty, you know, solid, yet unspectacular debut. Slash 264, 380, 405 uh, between rookie ball and low A. Added three home runs and six steals and 150 plate appearances. The power speed blend here won't pop at you, but I think there's a chance he's 50 for both power and speed long term. So a guy that can get up, you know, in the mid teens and each maybe at peak flirt with 20 um, in those two departments. But with Norby, he this kid is flat out hits. Like He is a plus hit tool type. His final year, uh, final two years at East Carolina, in 2020, hit 403 in the 17 game shortened season. And in 2021, in 61 games, hit 415, 484, 659 with 15 homers and 18 steals. So lo- I just love that floor. Like I said, he'll never be a huge power speed guy, but, you know, maybe he's a, you know, best case scenario is maybe a Tim Anderson type. Tim Anderson's never a huge power speed guy. Maybe Norby's not quite Tim Anderson in power speed, but. It's a really good hit tool, can give you some power and speed. It's a really good all-around contributor. Now, I like the org that he is in now with Baltimore. They, they got a great player development department there. They said that, that hit tool is going to carry him. He can play second. He can play third. There's not really a lot blocking him at the major league level. Uh, so he can slide into one of those two spots and be a pretty kind of underrated but steady fantasy asset that can give you, like I said, good average, good OBP, and then steady con- you know contributions elsewhere. So, Real like Carter Norby is kind of like an underrated pop-up guy. Not the sexiest pop-up pick, but just a prospect that I really, really like with that hit tool. Before we get out of here, though, Chris, I just realized we didn't really talk Nick Gonzalez at all. <laughs> uh, our number one second-base prospect here. Uh, and I think probably, maybe not universal, but I think most lists you'll have Nick Gonzalez be the number one second-base prospect. What do you think we're looking at here? You know, peak Nick Gonzalez here. He's probably, what, 2023. 20, ETA, I, don't, I doubt we see him this year. Pittsburgh doesn't really push their prospects in general. So probably like a mid-2023 ETA. But what do you think we're looking at with a kind of like a peak Nick Gonzalez type in terms of stats? And do you think, you know, maybe he's a top five second baseman long-term? Um, I don't – maybe. It depends on how the position, I think, continues to evolve, like at the major league level, because I'm not sure the – exact like what kind of power we're going to see him get to he's got really quick hands a quick bat so it's possible that he really taps into it more than we think but i think maybe he's like an average game type power but he's a a plus hit for sure very good feel to hit and you know we saw the struggles early on at the beginning of the 2021 minor league season but he adjusted in a major way still hit 302 on the season had a 385 obp 18 home runs and seven steals so Super intriguing profile. We saw him several games in the AFL. I saw him several times in, during the minor league season as well. 
I, I, I don't know. I, I'm curious as what kind of power he does get to. I, I think it's 20 home runs, but it could be a little bit more. It wouldn't surprise me to see him get to more, I don't think. And then he's probably going to be like a, a 5 to 10 stolen base type player. Yeah, I think he can get to top five at this position. Obviously, like you mentioned, they kind of see how it pans out. Obviously, there's a lot of multi-position eligibility at this spot now. So, But I do think he at least has the profile to at least be in that conversation. I think this is a 290-plus caliber hitter. So like you, you said, a plus hit tool, great approach, puts the bat on the ball, hits the ball hard all, of, all over the field. The power, yeah, like you look at he had was it 18 home runs this year in 80 games you're like oh that's that's pretty damn good but yeah it's a little not fluky but a little you know misleading because 10 of those came in 24 august games and every other month he was like two 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 three right uh, and it hit 364 in august too so that month really boosted his overall uh kind of production that kind of for you know a little under a third of his entire season right there so i do think he's gonna be a low to mid-20s homer guy Maybe he gets up 26, 27 at peak. I don't think we ever see 30 out of him, but low to mid 20s, I five to 10 steals, definitely agree there. 290 plus average. So, you know, maybe he's, you know, Ozzy Albies, a little scaled back. Like we're talking about like a profile, a little bit scaled back power speed, but potentially a little more average. So he could be getting up, up in that in that level. Like you wouldn't think it. And I won't, I'm not trying to compare him to Ozzy Albies at all, but when you look at the profile, I mean, Man, I think he at least puts him in a conversation. So Nick is always a guy I'm very, very excited about. He's my number 21 overall prospect in that. We're talking about it. That's not, that might be low. I'm about to move him up because that profile is very rock solid. Maybe it's not the sexy ceiling profile, but very, very high floor. Top 15 floor prospect for sure. So very exciting with Nick Gonzalez, someone I'm really looking forward to. Uh, anything else you wanted to... Get in here before we head out, Chris. No, I think that was a good episode. A lot second base has definitely gotten better. So fun prospects and fun dynasty group. Yeah, and just a little preview here. We're gonna be talking about third base on Monday's show. And I was kind of digging into third base here. And it's I'm doing my my articles uh on top prospects per position. And third base is actually really, really deep. And maybe it doesn't quite have the star power at the top, especially if you take out torque, but that's a very deep position and more talented than I thought. So that's going to be a really fun episode. And then we get into the big boys. We get so next Thursday, we'll have shortstop and the following Monday after that outfield and then pitching. So we're saving the, the big guns for last here. So it's going to be a lot of fun here uh, over the next few weeks on the fan tracks tool shed, but that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again, this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. I know we both did. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at AirCross04. And check out all of our written work at FantraxHQ.com or over on our Patreon where we're pumping out a lot of stuff there every single week. Multiple podcasts and articles and rankings and all that good stuff. So make sure to check that out. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. Hey, me 
MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion?